This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. So we are two days away from the year 2023, and if you're listening to this episode, it very well could be the year 2023, and a lot of people like to use the new year as a new beginning or perhaps a new chapter. And so regardless of whether you're into the idea of New Year's resolutions or the traditional sense of what that actually means... I do think it's a good idea to create a plan for what you're trying to achieve within the next year. You listen to this podcast because you want to become a better jazz musician. You're excited about it. You enjoy playing jazz and you want to sound like the musicians that you look up to and admire. So in this episode, we're going to talk about how to become a great jazz musician in the year 2023. I got a lot of important tips for you. Let's do it. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards. Don't musicians just like you learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve, no matter what instrument you play. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. So the year 2023 is here. And like I said in the intro, it's time to start making a plan for how you're going to go about improving your jazz playing this year. So let's talk about some things that we can do. And I want to point out that this episode isn't really about some of the things that I often talk about on this show, which are actual improvisation strategies or learning jazz standards strategies and things of that nature plenty of episodes for you to go back and listen to on those topics. This is really about, hey, I'm someone who has not been improving like I would like to, or I'm someone that has been improving, but want to take things up to the next level. I'm someone who's been listening to my favorite jazz musicians and all the records, and I want to sound more like them. Or I'm someone who's frustrated with the speed at which I am improving, right? So if that's you, this is for you. And all these tips here are things that I see some of my most successful members in our Inner Circle membership doing. And they're also tips of that I often give to my members inside of our Inner Circle. So I kind of want to let you in on that just a little bit and try to help us get an idea of the things that are really working when it comes to practicing. Again, we're not necessarily talking as much in this episode about the nitty gritty of like how to most efficiently learn a jazz solo, how to get licks to come out when you're playing. I mean, those are all important subjects, but this is more about the things that if you really implement them over the course of this next year, I 100% believe your jazz playing is going to exponentially improve. Okay. And the reason I say that with such confidence is because I've been watching it happen with our students, okay? So let's go over number one. Number one 
is to make a goal to learn one new jazz standard a month. Number one, make a goal to learn one new jazz standard a month. Now, if you've been listening to this show, you may have heard me say this before, and I'm actually more than ever becoming a a huge evangelist, if you don't mind me using the terminology, for this concept, learning one new jazz standard a month. And no, it's not just because that's the main thing that we do in our Inner Circle membership, and I would love you to join. Of course, if you need some help doing that, it's always available to you. But the reason that I actually have become an evangelist of this is because, once again, I've seen this really working for our students. This is something that really, really works, learning one new jazz standard a month. So let's just talk about that for a second as why I would suggest making a goal to do this and why also I'm being so definitive about it. Like, I'm not telling you learn some new jazz standards. I'm like, make a goal to learn one new jazz standard a month, right? So first, let's talk about why jazz standards, okay? So jazz standards, the vehicles in which jazz musicians use to improvise, are what I would call the 20% of the 80-20 rule. Now, so if you're not familiar with the 80-20 rule, aka the Pareto principle, it says... Well, it's a general guideline that says that 20% of the efforts that you're putting in are resulting in 80% of the results, right? So 20% of the efforts that you're putting in are reaping 80% of the results. So obviously that the elephant in the room is that means that 80% of the things that you're doing are only reaping 20% of the results, right? We could like flip that on, on its head. And so to me, the jazz standards is the 20%, right? So it's the thing that if you're really just learning new jazz standards and applying everything to jazz standards, it's going to reap you the most results and help you improve the most. And the reason I say that is because everything can be applied to a jazz standard, learning new jazz language, um, learning new voicings over chords, um, working on technical exercises on your saxophone, working on walking bass lines on your bass. Uh, Just the very core tenets of what jazz is. Like jazz, yes, you can compose your own jazz songs, of course, but jazz is based around this group of repertoire, this common repertoire over, over a century, right, that's built up that we call common and that shares all these chord progressions, right? And so the more you learn jazz standards, the better you're going to get it because you're just going to be exposed to more harmonic possibilities or more harmonic things that are in common with each other. For example, you are going to learn a jazz standard and find that it has a 2-5-1 chord progression in it, whether it's major or minor. And then you'll realize that that is the most common chord progression in all of jazz. And every jazz standard you're learning afterwards, most of them include 251 chord progressions. And so along the way, you're going to be getting better and better and better at 251 chord progressions to the point that when you start improvising or comping or playing bass lines, playing over top of 251 chord progressions isn't going to be so hard or mysterious because you're simply exposed to them continually and continually applying things that you're studying to that 251 chord progression. And you're learning more melodies, you're learning more melodic content. Um, If you're uh, using some of your skills of learning things by ear on this jazz standard, you're going to be working on all that. So again, I like to think of the jazz standard, uh, I sometimes think of it as a pizza. So the jazz standard is like the crust, right? It's like the, the bottom thing that holds everything together. And then you can layer things on top of it, like the cheese. Let's just say the cheese is the... The learning a jazz solo over top of the jazz standard or the pepperoni is like working on technical exercise, like core tones over top of the jazz standard, right? Everything can be applied to the jazz standard. Okay. So that's why jazz standards. Now, 
The second part of this tip number one is the one month concept. Why learn one jazz standard a month? Okay. So the reason I suggest this is several different reasons. So for one, what we are trying to do is create sustainable practice habits. Okay. And when I say that, I say that knowing that many people listening to this podcast, certainly a lot of my members in our inner circle membership do not have a ton of time to practice. There is limited amounts of time in which they have to practice, right? So what can happen really easily is if you're trying to do too much, you're failing constantly and therefore you're constantly frustrated with your playing and what's happening and you're going to give up pretty quickly. So one month, most people would say that the bare minimum of at least learning the melody and the chords and, you know, doing a little bit of basic practicing improvising over that jazz standard that's doable in one month for most people with the amount of time they have to practice. So that's number one, right? It's an achievable goal. And if you continually achieve goals, you're essentially creating these dopamine hits in your brain, reward the reward centers of your brain saying that, yes, I'm accomplishing things. I'm moving forward, which is just going to encourage you to move even more forward, right? So that's the reason one month for, for, for at least the motivational aspect of continuing a long-term habit of practicing. But also, one month is a good time to spend digesting a tune, like really digging into it, allowing yourself time and space to actually think about what's going on there. A lot of times we're trying to learn tunes as quickly as possible, and sometimes maybe that's necessary for if you have to learn it for a gig or a jam session coming up. But most of the time, it's actually not helpful to learn them quickly. It's better to actually really focus on one. And then the third reason why one month is a good idea is because there always has to be a cutoff point because you're never going to master a jazz standard, right? Now, I would encourage you, obviously, to continue to practice the jazz standard after one month to review it, to go out and play it with other people. But what I mean is like the core in-depth studying of that needs to end at some point, right? Because the next jazz standard on the next month has more lessons and has some of similar lessons that you've already dealt with. And so we want to keep compounding those results, right? And keep moving on and learning more things. So that's why we also want to work on this aspect of one month. Now, the last thing I'll say about this is as you're learning a new jazz standard once a month, it's important that you're applying something to it, right? So again, I said the bare minimum was the melody and the chords and a little bit of improvisation, but inevitably you also have to be practicing something to improve what you're not good at, right? Which we'll talk about a little bit later, but for example, it would be a good idea to learn maybe the first A section off a recording, a solo of a musician you like over top of that jazz standard, or maybe you're really not good at playing the chord changes. So Mapping out the chord tones over top of that jazz standard may be a good idea. Composing your own solo over that jazz standard may be a good idea. Working on one chord progression within that jazz standard that you find tricky might be a good idea. So having at least one piece of something that you're focusing on is a good idea. All right. So that's number one. Make a goal to learn one new jazz standard a month. And... I would just challenge you to take up this and see how it works for you in this next year, right? Just see what happens. Number two is to improvise and record a lot. So improvise and record a lot. So let's talk about the first one, improvise. So improvising. We all know that if we want to be better at improvising 
and I'm, I'm even talking about like improvising bass lines or improvising comping or a course solo, single note lines. To get better at it, we just have to do a lot of it, right? We can work on all of the secret strategies, all of the melodic minor scale applications, all of the chord tone mappings, all of the learning solos by ear and all that stuff. These are all very good things to do, right? But if we're not actually improvising and practicing improvising continuously, we're probably not going to improve at improvising. And I do see this happen quite a bit with people is they're going through and doing all the exercises. They're watching all the YouTube videos and they're applying different concepts that they're learning, but they're not ever improvising or if they are improvising, they're not doing it often. So my encouragement to you this year in 2023 is to improvise as much as you possibly can. Like always be improvising. It's really important that you're allowing yourself to improvise from where you are at. And when I say improvise from where you are at, that means that we're not necessarily trying to play like the best jazz solos we've ever played every single time. We're trying to just see what happens. We're trying to get better at it. We're trying to experiment, right? Look at improvisation as experimenting continuously. So improvise a lot. Now, the second part is record, record yourself. So improvise and then record, play a jazz standard and improvise a a three or four chorus solo and then listen back to it, right? We'll talk about that next, but recording is super important and recording does several things. And again, our most successful members in our inner circle membership do this frequently. So recording, first of all, simulates a performance environment. Ever notice that when you practice, you feel comfortable and maybe you're like, wow, I played a really awesome solo, but then you go out and you improvise and play with a friend or a public jam session or a gig or whatever have you, and you just don't feel like you're playing as well, right? Well, that's because it's you're dealing with all these external pressures, right? That you're not used to practicing with. So recording actually helps you practice a performance environment. You might notice if you've recorded yourself before, you get a little nervous, You might stop the recording and start it over again because you didn't like what you started doing and you know it's just going to sound bad. So why would you just continue? You should just start over again, right? I'm sure you've experienced that feeling before. And all that really is, is you being afraid to listen back to what's happening, right? It's a performance environment. Now, what I want to encourage you to do with recording is not to be afraid to mess up, not be afraid of what's going to come out, right? Allow yourself just to play. Allow yourself to be honest with yourself and not make it about anything other than what are we going to learn from it, which again, we'll talk about next. Okay. So that's recording yourself. Now, recording yourself also can kind of lead to this deeper level of practicing because you know that you're going to listen back to yourself. You want to hear a better result come out or in our inner circle membership, for example, people will share their recordings in side of the inner circle, our community. And so they want to have their best performance they can possibly do, right? They, they're really trying for it before they present a recording in front of other people. So again, it kind of helps you go, Oh, wait a second. Do I really know this? Oh, do I, how, like, have I really tried my hardest at doing this? These questions start coming up when we're doing this kind of work. All right. So the next thing about recording is kind of leading us into number three here. Number three is probably 
one of the most important things if you're feeling like you're stuck on a plateau, right? But again, you feel like you're doing all the right things. Like, I am practicing consistently. I am learning jazz standards, right? I am fill in the blank with the quote unquote right things to do in order to improve as a jazz musician. If you're feeling like that, then this is really important to getting you over the hump. And so number three is to continuously audit your jazz playing, continuously audit your jazz playing. So before I talk a little bit more about what that means, I'll talk a little bit about something I see in some of our long-term um, inner circle members, right? So I, I see a lot of the ones that have been with us for, let's just say like a year, at least a year. Um, we have people that are really improving, right? A lot, right? That's what I notice. I notice that people are improving a lot, right? But what can sometimes happen is once you've really ramped up that improvement, you start going through the motions a little bit, again, doing all the right things. And while you are improving, what I notice, again, because these are people that I see posting their recordings, right, recording themselves, like we just talked about, often in our community, I hear certain things that they keep doing over and over and over again in all of their recordings that are holding them back, right? And of course, we make them aware of it, but they may not actually be taking action on it, right? Um, they're taking action on other things, which are helping their jazz playing, but it could be something just very simple, like add more eighth notes into your lines, right? Instead of such small broken up phrases. It, it could be, um, like usually it's very detailed things, but it's that thing that's making them still sound slightly amateur and not closer to that more advanced or pro level sound that they're looking for. Right. Um, or sometimes I hear them doing really good things and I wonder if they're actually capitalizing on those things. In fact, this is something that is so important that we're doing a retreat for, um, some of our inner circle members, uh, in just a, a week or two. And a big part of the retreat is talking about this very subject right? Because of how important this is. And so an audit of your jazz playing is when you're listening back to your recordings and you're asking yourself two questions, okay? Two really important questions. And they're very simple questions. The first question is, what am I doing that I really like, right? What am I doing that I really like? And the reason you ask this question is because the stuff that you're doing that you like is stuff that you actually want to double down on, right? These are the things that you want to like go all in. Like you're at the poker table and you're putting down all your cards basically, right? And it could be something simple. It could be like, I like that lick I played. It could be something more, um, you know, nuanced, harder to grasp in a specific concept. Like I like the way I melodically, you know, move up in register on my instrument, like something that when you listen back, you're like, Ooh, I actually kind of like that. Or you're like, even like, mm, maybe I should actually like transcribe myself. Right. Like I've done that before. It's a good thing to do, right? Listen back to something you like that you did and try to figure out what was it? What did I actually do? Because once you figure out what that thing is that you actually did, you should try to internalize that. You should be like, what was I thinking there? Or sometimes it's not like, it's something that you're like, oh, that kind of sounded good, but it wasn't quite there yet. 
but that's kind of like the gold, right? You saw the speck of gold and now you just got to keep digging because you're going to find a lot more. You need to refine it. So you always ask that question, right? The first thing you ask actually is what do I really like that I did? Because if you're mindful of what those things are, the next time you go to practice, the next time you go to record yourself, the next time you're thinking about what to do next, you have that in the back of your head. Like this is the thing that I like about my playing. And the things that we like about our playing, again, are, they essentially have the most potential. They have the most potential to do well, right? If you're just naturally good at, um, if you're just naturally athletic, for example, right, then probably doubling down on being a better athlete is a good idea, right? Um, that's maybe a little bit too broad, right? But let's just say that you're really good at analyzing things, right? You're really good at looking at the data, right? I'm not necessarily always good at that. I'm getting better at it, but you're looking at data and you're really good at looking at data. So that's a place where it's natural for you that you're able to really double down on. And so it's the same with music. Hopefully that makes sense to you. So that's the first question you ask. The second question you ask is what do I not like about my playing? What do I not like? Now, this is unfortunately usually where we first go. We first think about this, right? Because we don't, we don't, it's like hearing our voice back on a recording. It makes us feel uncomfortable. We don't want to hear um, our playing because we're afraid of what we're going to hear, right? And so we usually go there first. Um, and so that's why we start with the other question first. But this question is still very important because ultimately we have to define what is it that you don't like. And it can't be general. It can't be like, well, I just don't like my, I don't have good jazz language, right? Oh, I just, I don't like my solos or I don't like my chord voicings, right? That's a good start, but it's sort of like what specifically about what I played did I not like? Well, in bar four and five uh, over this two, five, one, I did not, it didn't sound like I was playing the chord changes. Okay, why didn't it sound like I was playing the chord changes, right? That's a problem we need to solve, right? We can't just be, so we, first of all, it's like, I don't like my solo. Okay. Okay, great. That That's a general. Now break it down. In this specific area of the solo, I didn't like what I played. Why didn't I not like what I played? It's because the chord, I couldn't hear the chord changes coming out in my solo, right? Maybe that's one of the reasons you list. Okay. How do we play the chord changes better? And what chords are, are, are actually in this part of the solo here? It's the two, five, one. Okay, great. So how do we figure out how to play the chord changes better? Okay, we need to figure out the chord tones, okay? We need to figure out as many different ways to resolve to the chord tones. We need to figure out as many different lines. We can learn them from recordings. We can compose our own lines and figure out as many different ways to resolve to those chord tones to make those chord tones pop out, right? So you see what we're doing here. I'm going, I don't like this. Here's the reason I don't like this. And here's what I'm going to do about it, right? This is super important, Like. If we're not willing to, A, identify what we don't like and get specific about it, and then B, go on to actually make a plan to solve that problem, then we are probably going to be spinning our wheels a little bit. And even if we're doing the right things, we're not going to be progressing as quickly as we could if we were actually identifying those areas and making a plan to do so. So for example, with the one jazz standard a month, really good thing to do, right? But we need to look each time we learn the new jazz standard within it, right? What is it that I like? What is it that I don't like? Okay, great. Because next jazz standard, 
Let's think about those things and make a plan for how we're going to address them in the second jazz standard. And then you continuously do these audits, right? Like all year long, all of 2023, you're continuously auditing your playing and making adjustments. So one of my favorite analogies um, about this kind of idea um, is I learned this in this book called Psycho-Cybernetics. And the author uses this analogy of a torpedo. So the way a torpedo works is it shoots out from its source and it's heading towards its destination, but it's not necessarily going in a perfectly straight line to get there. So what happens is it shoots out, it's going towards it, but not quite going to land on it. And it shoots out a signal, it figures out where it's at, it readjusts its path and it keeps shooting out this signal. So imagine it zigzagging back and forth, right? Until it finally hits its target. And that's essentially what we're doing too, right? Let's just say our target is like, I want to play jazz solos like Stan Getz, right? Like whatever that means, right? Because like, that's hard to put a put an actual, you know, it's hard to say when do you actually get that good or do you need to get that good, right? Well, that's for another podcast episode, but let's just say that's your goal. So then we're continuously like adjusting, like, okay, we're going this direction. Good. It's the right direction, but it's slightly off. So adjust on the next one. Okay. Adjust. Okay. Adjust again. Adjust again. Okay. We're, we're hitting our target, right? Um, whether it be a short-term target or a long-term target, like playing like Stan Getz. Um, so that's the, I love the torpedo analogy, right? Cause it, it just helps you think about everything that you're doing in that sort of way. Like I took this action but I have to make sure that I make some sort of an adjustment. Otherwise, it's not going to work out. And we can only make that adjustment first if we ask ourselves the audit questions. What do I like about what I played? And what do I not like about what I played? Right? So just as a little summary here in the episode, the things we talked about is learning one jazz standard a month, right? I talked about the importance of why jazz standards. I talked about the importance of a month, like the goals, the motivation, the consistency of practicing, the attainability of that, right? The ability to like really deep dive into a jazz standard rather than learn a bunch of them, right? That's not to say that you can't learn more than one a month, okay? It's just it's just really the goal you should create, right? Number two is to improvise and record. Improvise constantly, right? A lot. And then record it a lot, right? Get into that habit. Number three that we just talked about, continuously audit your jazz playing. My friends, if this is what you do in the year 2023, I am very convinced that you're going to end 2023 a completely different player than you are now. Like You're going to look back and be amazed at the progress that you've made. You're going to be, uh, I think you're going to have like an aha moment, right? If you take action on this. So how does that sound to you? Would you like to do this? Would you like to improve your jazz playing this way? Make a goal, make a plan, and let's do this thing. All right, that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Really do appreciate you. And hey, if you need help doing these things that I'm talking about, learning a new jazz standard every single month, um, and you really want to improve a lot in 2023, then unashamedly, I'd love to invite you into our LGS Inner Circle membership. Absolutely. You can do all this stuff I talked about on your own, 
But imagine if you had all of the resources and materials and the community of other musicians there to do it along with you. Wouldn't you feel like you'd just be a lot more successful or at least setting yourself up for more success? Well, that's what we want to help you do. That's why our business exists is because we like doing it. So go to ljsinnercircle.com or you can click the link in the show notes if you're on the website or if you're on your uh, a podcast listening app, just check the description down below. We'll have a link to that there. All right, my friends, happy new year. Hope you have a very wonderful, wonderful 2023. I'll be right here helping you along. I'm not going anywhere and I'm excited to help you in the new year. Cheers, my friends. Thanks for listening to the LJS podcast brought to you by learnjazzstandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes and don't forget to join our jazz community at learnjazzstandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.